Welcome back to the Rig Radio, episode 5? I think I really need to write this down. Anyway, uh, the Stanley Cup has been awarded, so we're here to talk about the aftermath of that. My name is Megan Fowler, I teach high school uh, here in Edmonton, and it's summer holidays, and life is pretty good right now. I am Avery Lewis McDougall, I am the resident dark man of Wallace Rig. I also contribute to my own podcast, Avery Sports Show, the Brian Avery Hour, as well as the Hockey News. And Yahoo Sports Canada. Alex? Yeah, we probably should have established that order beforehand, but... <laughs> I just assumed everybody remembered. Yeah, anyway. no, that's, that's, that's a pretty good. big assumption. Anyways, uh, I'm Alex Thomas. I started the Oilers League eight years ago now, believe it or not, and have continued writing about this team consistently, even though they have been anything but uh, ever since. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, they've been oh. quite consistent. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, I was going to make up for the delay the last time and just jump right in there. <laughs> <laughs> We're a disaster. Anyway, sorry, my bad. Oh, so I am going now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. My name is Stephen Darnell. Um, I can't remember if I've ever gone by Stephen Style. I'm going to stick with Stephen Darnell from this point on. Anyway, I am Rig Radio's diversity hire. The thing that makes me diverse is I don't contribute anything to the world, unlike the other uh, three people who are accomplished sports writers. So, hello. Um, okay, well, that was chaos. That's all, It's all good. It's summertime. We're fine. Alex just got back from vacation, like, on Sunday or Monday. Uh, Steven is gone on the weekend. I haven't had a schedule for a week now. So, yeah, things are good. I don't know what Avery's doing. Um... Who knows? We're not sure. It took him 10 minutes to join uh, this conference call when he said he'd be on in a second. So today's a little bit a little bit chaotic. Um, so last <laughs> night, ta- the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, just as a quick refresher, um, both Steven and Alex took the Bolts in six. I said the Habs in six, and Avery said the Habs in seven. Uh, so let's talk about that. The Habs were too good. Or sorry, the Habs. The Bolts were too good. <laughs> The Habs were the Habs were what we thought they were, which was fine, but uh, the Bolts were too good. The only thing, honestly, that confuses me about this series is how did the Islanders push the the Lightning to seven? I remain confused by that because the Lightning were everything they were supposed to be, which was just too good. They were too good. Too much goodness. They had the best top six in the league, the best goaltender, and the best defensive core, and a arguably the best bottom six as well. Like, it is obscene how much better they are than even the second-best team. I mean, the the most entertaining part of the series was a shirtless, drunken Nikita Kucherov uh, after the game. um, What was it? Wednesday night? Like, that was a mismatch. And it wasn't (laughs) necessarily... Like, I don't care who was playing in that series against Tampa. That was probably going to end up being a mismatch. Uh, And the Lightning exposed it. And you know what? I know it has people all upset and all up in arms. The Lightning were $18 million over the cap today. But quite frankly, I absolutely love how that Lightning team went on and won the Stanley Cup the way that they did. I mean, their only real competitive series was the Islanders series, right? Like, that was the only time that they were ever tested uh, in these playoffs. They should have won the Stanley Cup. They were the best team. And I'm hopeful that in a copycat league, people will now try to look for ways to get some advantages on the cap and actually draft skill, believe it or not. It's a crazy concept. Now, of course, that's never going to happen in this sport, but a crazy concept where Tampa had enough talent to be $18 million over the salary cap. Like that's what I take out of it. I think it was better that they won as opposed to Montreal solely because I did not want to see um, like 
Derek England come out of retirement and replace Oscar Clefbaum next year, like as an example. Like <laughs> I want the Tampa Bay style to be the style that we see, like that drafting, that development, that skill. Um, and I thought they were the best team in the league, and it was nice to see them get rewarded for that. The problem with your with your hope is that Patrick Maroon is now a three-time Stanley Cup champion, and so in a copycat league such as this, um, the thing that the lesson that unfortunately some of the GMs are going to take away from all of this is that what they need in order to win the Stanley Cup is Patrick Maroon, uh, not necessarily the skill and whatever that well, would actually be the thing. That well, would at least help. the Oilers know that even if they have Maroon, it, it didn't make a difference in the end, but. I, although I will say I do agree with you on one part, like on a more serious note. Like, Tampa Bay was a different team when they traded for Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman at the trade deadline in 2020. And I'm interested to see if that's a takeaway that GMs have. Like, you have to have depth and you have to have guys in your bottom six that can push the puck in the right direction and can, you know, here's going to be a wild concept, get 50% or more of the goals while they're on the ice. And I'm hoping that those are the things that teams take away. Like the maroon thing is hilarious. So like, I love it. The guy, like the guy, is won three straight Stanley Cups. So like, just kind of riding along with it. But it's those Goudreau Coleman additions that I hope teams see and like, oh, that's how you should build the bottom six. The but thing, you're probably right. Oh, of Sorry, go ahead, Avery. Of course. And then even guys like uh, Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, they also chipped in as well too. Like, how many other teams in the league? Can you just plug in, plug in guys like that into your third and fourth line and be effective? Beyond Tampa Bay, maybe one or two other teams in the league. I can't think of anybody else than maybe, maybe a Vegas, and that's it. The thing that makes Tampa Bay both like beautiful and frustrating is no matter what kind of hockey you think wins, they have that. Like We all know how they have high-end skill. We don't even need to get into that. But, oh, perhaps you think that actually elite penalty killing and forechecking and defense, like scrappy... Fast forwards is what went well. They like Alex just said they have uh, Coleman and Gurdrow, and I would put Gord in that category as well. Maybe you think an elite defensive core is what wins. Well, they have that. They've got Hedman, Sergachev, McDonough. Maybe you think big defensemen is what wins. Well, Hedmonton, Hedman, Sergachev, and McDonough are all big, as is Cernak, as is David Savard, is like a solid second pairing. Like I wouldn't even call him a poor man's Adam Larson. Like maybe a lower middle class man's Adam Larson, but they're not that far apart. Um, maybe you think scrappy, like toughness, uh, wins. They've got guys who fight. They've got lots of guys who will get right in your face. Matthew Joseph, they don't have Paquette anymore, but I think he kind of set the tone for them. Uh, Yanni Gord gets in people's faces. They do absolutely everything, which is demonstrated by on their road to the cup. They both had eight nothing blowouts and they won both their game sevens, one nothing. It reminded me of when, uh, Canada under Babcock, uh, won the gold just by strangling every team that they played because they were so much better that rather than winning 9-2, they're like, no, we're just going to play an absolutely perfect game and win 2-0. And that's basically exactly what Tampa did in Game 7 against the Islanders, and that's what they did in uh, Game 5 against the Habs. They just perfected them. I didn't think the Habs necessarily made mistakes. They just got outgooded. There was nothing. The only way they were ever going to win is if Tampa made mistakes and Tampa decided to stop making them. And then that was just it. Yeah, I, I don't think there was anything that the Habs could have done to win that series. Like, there were some lineup changes that I would have liked to have seen. I think it was insane that it took them uh, until Game 4 to get Romanov in there. And I think Tatar not playing in any of the final three series was ridiculous. But yeah, was at the end of the – yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, that might get them to Game 6. Like, Tampa's just that good. Um, you know, and it's uh, – Carey Price would have had to put up a, a 9.50 in every game to give them a real chance to win that series. And he is capable of doing it at the end of the day, but – 
Um, you know, I don't think Montreal played poorly at the end of the day. I just I think Tampa's just that good. Like if they're on their game, there's not much you can do about it. And you know what? The one opening they did have was in game two. When they would shot Tampa Bay at 29, what, 29-8 in game two? And they couldn't pass less three. That was like their one chance to get back in this series. And they ended up losing that game 3-1. Like, they just couldn't find a way to pass less. He was other he was, he was in the next level during this entire series here. That's chest protector well, in that the second period. That second period <laughs> goal in game two, like, with what? Point six seconds left or whatever it was just yeah. absolutely heartbreaking. Like if they go, I feel like if they went into that, if they went into the third period tied, like that game probably ends differently. Um, but that was just like so deflating. It was just, I, it, and that was that was kind of it. Um, I made a crack on Twitter last night, which led to some people like uh, DMing me to like tell me that I made a bad joke. Uh, I said that I just wanted the Habs. I was sad for my dad because I wanted him to be able to see the Habs win one more time before he died. Uh, like, he's not sick or anything. He's just 73, and, like, he's not going to be around another 28 years to see them win again. And some people did not appreciate my sense of humor. And I was like, well, no, it would have been fun for him to see it because I don't know when it'll happen again. But um, it was... Um, Watching it, watching the... Because, I mean, again, this we've talked about this before. It's been hard, for me, anyway, to, like, watch stuff that's outside of the North because, like, I'm too lazy to go find streams of games that are taking place on the East Coast because I don't really care. <laughs> um, and so, like, I'll be perfectly honest. And so having, you know, I watched a lot of the Habs games this year, but being able to watch, you know, the Lightning all through the playoffs and stuff, like, you could tell they're a very good team. And when game one was done, I was like, well, I was probably wrong in my prediction. I don't think the Habs can win this, but it would be nice if they could put up a fight. And, like, like you guys have said, I don't think they played poorly, really at all. It just they just got outmatched in every possible way. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think Vegas would have had a, a better chance to match up, but I think they would have been outmatched too because I just don't think that they have the top-end talent the way that Tampa Bay does. I think the only team that could have matched up with Tampa in terms of the talent level was Colorado, and you know they have their own issues. So, I don't know. I think the, I think the best team has won each of the last two years, and yeah, I'm sure people are, are bored of Tampa Bay, but... I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily have a problem with a team that 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 is that good winning. I mean, look, they're not going to be. They're going to be good next season, but this version of the Tampa Bay Lightning is is done. They are going to lose a lot, um, and they'll be a playoff team next year, and they'll probably win around. But that's going to be a tough division to come out of. I don't think that they really have a great chance to go on a three peat. But I mean, look, they figured out a way to get these two uh, Stanley Cups, and now they're going to pay the price on the cap, just like Chicago did in 2010, and. Um, just like countless other teams have. They're going to lose uh, probably three players if you count Tyler Johnson, if you just don't want to count him because he's a bottom sixer anyway. They're going to lose two of uh, Kalorn, Palat, Gord, Cernak, and McDonough. Probably the two forwards, I would guess. So the prob- Oh, yeah, I guess David Savard is gone. Coleman's probably gone. Yeah. Goudreau's pro- probably gone. I was just thinking from expansion. So they're going to lose a lot of guys. But even when that's done, they'll still have the best goalie in the league. They'll still have a minimum of two of Sergachev and Hedman and probably, and then either Cernak or McDonough or maybe both to go along with it. Um, as good as Coleman and Goodrow and Gord are, that's a third line, and if they lose all three of those guys, they've kept the best six in the top six in the league. And if they uh, keep one of those guys, well, then they've still got arguably the five of the best top six in the league. So I agree that they would no longer be incredible favorites, but I think they're, they've been the mix for a 3 peat 
Uh, the reason why I'm glad that they won is, like, quickly, is as I get older, I find I identify less with the players and spend more time as a fantasy GM than imagining myself actually playing. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are by far the best-built team in the league. As much as it, as much fun as it is to see an underdog triumph, it's also fun to see smart decisions get appropriately rewarded. Um, this appeals to my sense of justice, and um, I would even say comprehensibility. The world is a more sensible place if it's a world in which the Tampa Bay Lightning win more Stanley Cups than they don't. So, uh, you know, we can all rest, sleep a little bit sounder tonight as the world is not as chaotic as it could have been. Are you ready for a take Hit me. that you're going to see over the next little while? You're going to see the Oilers have a busy offseason, mm-hmm. and then you're going to see the narrative start to get pushed out. Now, again, this is not my opinion. I think this is way off. Remember that Tampa Bay got swept in the first round in 2019 by Columbus and then goes on to change the complexion and wins two straight Stanley Cups. I guarantee you that that's going to be a take. Just be prepared that you're going to read that in training camp where, oh, the Oilers changed just like Tampa, and now they're going to go in back-to-back Cups, when in reality they probably don't have a chance to get out of the Pacific. And do you know what will help them win those back-to-back Cups? Duncan Keith. <laughs> I think his beard is still red. I'm going to want to see a little more gray in that beard before we... <laughs> Before we talk about that, because I, I think we should address that and talk about the chaos that has been these last few days. Um, one of the things that I saw last night in the postgame, well, we should talk about Kucherov's postgame press conference too, because I thought that was fun. Uh, and people are very upset about it for a bunch of reasons that don't make sense to me. But in the Canadians postgame press conference, um, Carey Price, he was like, I didn't play well enough in this series. And Weber was there with him. He's like, I don't think that's true at all. We didn't play well enough in front of you. And that, like... I like that because I think Weber is telling the truth for the most part. Uh, there were, I mean, Price got beat on some some of those goals, like just outright. That happens. You you can't be perfect. Um, but there were more times than not that he was in a position to not make a save because of what was happening in front of him, uh, or he was really badly screened or whatever. Um, but like of all the players on Montreal's roster who I think has deserved better for a number of years, it's Carey Price. And it makes me very sad that this might have been the best chance that he was going to have to get there. Yeah, I mean, Carey Price, to me, and we talked about this last night, um, to me is the best goaltender of my generation. Like, I don't include Marty Brodeur in that. I think it's, it's that next generation, that, like, 2005 on. And I would take Price over Henrik Lundqvist. I would take him over... Uh, Tuka Rask, I would take him over Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, I mean, I look back at some of those teams in Montreal, like that 2009 to 2015 group of teams, and they weren't, they weren't that good. Like, they had a couple of players, but they were consistently in the playoffs. They were consistently winning rounds. I mean, I know Halak was the guy in 2010, but other than that, like, Price stole series for those teams that really had no business being in the playoffs, let alone winning a series or two. Um, yeah, I think he's deserved better over his career. Um, you know, had the Canadians won, I think he's the guy. I mean, look, Cole Caulfield, Suzuki, Kakanyemi, I like those guys a lot. They have their whole careers in front of them. Um, Price is that guy that he's towards the end of his career. You don't know when he's going to get that chance. That's the guy you really feel for at the end. Um, Shea Weber, I guess, is in that boat too. Corey Perry is not. But, um, yeah, I feel for Price because I don't know if he's going to have a better chance. And, you know, had Montreal... 
you know, last year they finished 24th and then the bubble happens. But had Montreal not made the playoffs this year, I really wonder if he would have been traded somewhere else this offseason and maybe had a better shot at that Stanley Cup. I don't think there's a prayer of that happening now after this run for Montreal. I think he's there for the long haul. Um, I just don't know if they have the guns to go on another run like this while he's still effective. No, it's a it's a good question to ask because next year when we go back to normal division again, you you're you're not facing, you're not playing just Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary. You're facing the American teams again. You're facing Florida again. You're facing Tampa, Boston. Like you got an uphill battle now if you're Montreal, and you know you might get out to the playoffs. You might you might win a round or two, but are you really going to beat Boston or the other teams to get to a Cup final again next year? I highly doubt that. It's hard to say. I'm kind of curious what they're going to do. I mean, okay, they got as far as they did with it with healthy scratching Tatar, and Duran was also missing the whole time. So presumably Duran will come back, and in theory that will make them a little bit better. And then Tatar's going to be gone. Deneau may or may not be gone. Armia will be gone. So they'll spend that money on something, and they'll still have Weber, Petrie, um, all of their young guys will, at least in theory, be a little bit better. So I think that they will still be basically what they were this season, which is a very deep team that maybe lacks top-end talent but has four pretty decent lines, uh, two, maybe three pretty good defensemen, and two other guys who are very good at the kind of cheating that's allowed in the playoffs, and uh, Carey Price, who can turn it on at any given time and spend at least a little bit of time as one of the top two or three goalies on the planet. But I think that all their chips were really pushed in for this season. Carey Price is, as we saw in the finals and in the regular season, well, he is still Carey Price. He's not Carey Price all the time anymore, um, and he is incredibly expensive. Shea Weber, I got kind of a kick out of Holland talking about Greybeards, because what could have possibly helped the Canadians more than trading Greybeard Shea, Shea Weber for 26-year-old Shea Weber? They might have suddenly had a shot in that series if they were able to make that swap. He's not... He's still got a lot but he's not what he was Jeff Petrie's uh, in his 30s now um, that Josh Anderson contract he's clearly a very good middle sixer but he also I, I just don't like that contract I think that's going to become an increasing problem for them I think they will spend the next few years as a decent team like basically as a playoff bubble team I think that their their whole structure was basically designed to crest this year, and I'm actually really happy for them that it happened. Good for them. But I think that what happened was probably their best-case scenario, and uh, this this was their one shot. One thing about this team, too, that like people forget because of the success in the bubble beating Pittsburgh and then obviously this playoff run is they finished 24th and 18th in each of the last two seasons. They weren't exactly world beaters or you know a team that was a playoff lock. I mean... Remember, if not for COVID, much like the Chicago Blackhawks, everybody talks about that in the Edmonton side of, thing, side of things, Montreal wouldn't have been in the playoffs in 2020. Now you're going to a division where we've talked about how good Tampa Bay is still going to be. Um, the Boston Bruins are still a good hockey team. We laugh about them, we joke about them, but the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be a good regular season team again next season. And then you've got the Florida Panthers. So it's going to be tough for them to finish inside the top four in that Atlantic division. I'm not saying it's impossible, um, but it's certainly not going to be as easy as it was in the North division this year, where there really was only two teams that did damage during the regular season. Like you're going to have a couple elite teams in, in Tampa, Boston and Toronto. And then you're going to be fighting with the Florida team. That was pretty darn good. This year is going to have Aaron Eckblad back and is supposedly going to be going to market and they have money to spend. So it's going to be difficult for them 
I think to get back into the postseason next year. In fact, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they missed all together. So I yeah, I think this was the year to go all in. And look, they didn't win the Stanley Cup, but at the end of the day, like you got there. I think that's a run. That's something that I, I wish was more normalized in this sport. Like losing in the finals is an accomplishment. Like to get to that point to me is an accomplishment. And I think like baseball, you win the American League, you win the National League, you go to the World Series. Like that's an accomplishment. That's celebrated. Um, even in the NFL, you win the AFC, you win the NFC. That's celebrated. It's not celebrated like that in hockey, and I think it should be. Like, say what you will, Montreal beat Toronto in Vegas. Like, that's an impressive run, and that's that's a run that that fan base should be proud of. I know they didn't win the cup, but at the end of the day, that that's that's a pretty impressive run. I couldn't agree more. Uh, in that um, meme that was going around uh, last week, that if you were suddenly commissioner of the NHL basically even king of the nhl would be a better way to put it because uh, some of us were making magical type changes what would you change and one of my top three was i think that uh winning the conference and winning the president's trophy should both be a much bigger deal it's it's ridiculous that if you win the president's trophy and don't win the cup it's seen as some people will say not only did it mean nothing like it was a mistake you shouldn't have tried that hard in the regular season you should have saved more for the playoffs that's uh that's obscene and it's it's harder to win a conference now than it was to win a Stanley Cup in a six-team league, or even in the, it's in theory the same as when it was a 16-team league, or whatever it expanded to originally. Like, you have to get through half the league to make it to the finals. That's incredibly impressive. Yeah, and I think, I think the other thing, too, like, I read so something today when there was a team picture of the Habs after they had won whatever trophy it was they won for their for, for the conference championship whatever it was, um, and the, somebody was like we not, we we got to normalize them like you know not avoiding touching this thing like it's a it's a prize worth winning and it's a prize worth celebrating. Oh, I hate that because um, at the end of yeah, it's, no, so, it's stupid. so stupid. And at the end of the day, like only two teams in. Only two teams in the league win trophies in the postseason, right? One team wins two trophies because they win the conference, their conference championship trophy and the Stanley Cup, but the other team wins a trophy, and none of the other teams that even made the playoffs win a trophy. And it, it is something, right? Oh, like, it absolutely, it, it's absolutely an accomplishment, and it should be celebrated, and it sucks the day after the day of when your team loses. Like, that's terrible, right? But, you know, I think being able to look back on it and be proud of it, I think, is something that's very worthwhile. No, it is very true. And, you know, going to next year, even if you only win the, the Campbell or the Wales, you still get to take a new banner in your arena. You still get to show something off. I do think it's so stupid that you see guys will take that picture, you know, they'll avoid touching it or they, you know, oh, we don't want to win that trophy. We don't want to win one trophy. Or they act like the thing's poison. Like, take the trophy up. You won it. It's so stupid to act like this thing is cursed, winning a conference title. I've always laughed at the difference between like, if, uh, there was an 06 Oilers documentary where George LaRock puts, like, a T-shirt and hides the Campbell Bowl underneath it so nobody can see it in the locker room in Anaheim after they win Game 5. And then you go and you watch, like, baseball, for example, and you win the one-game wild card, and everybody's covered in Bud Light, like, within five minutes. I don't know. Like, I, it's an achievement, right? Like, it's hard to win a round in the playoffs. Like, there's a reason that very few t- like they talk about parody in the nhl well i think it was like there's been seven different teams that have won it in like 15 years or something crazy like that so it's not easy to do you get there it's an accomplishment i mean look the oilers got there in 2006 and they've won one playoff round in the 15 ensuing years like i know that's an extreme example of incompetence for a long time but like 
it just goes to show like it's an accomplishment to get there. Montreal hadn't been there since 1993. Like, enjoy that. It's funny that you mentioned that about the Oilers because you said before that you wrote about this team um, inconsistent as they were, but the one thing they have been consistent in is uh, not doing well in the playoffs, that's for or sure. Or getting there. Um, or just getting there. No, they've been quite consistent, actually, <laughs> in avoiding the playoffs. It's, yeah. been, it's been a thing for quite some time. Um, but no, I think... I, yeah, I think there's this expectation. I don't know. It's weird. Hockey's got a weird thing because you're right. You don't see it in other sports. Like if you win the NFC Championship Trophy, the AFC, Cha- like that's a big deal. They get a ring to go right? to the Super Bowl. Yeah, like it's a big deal. And in baseball, like yeah, you win the wild card game or you win the pennant. Like that is a big deal. When both the Red Wings and the and Lightning more recently set the record for wins in a season, and then both of them lost disappointingly to teams that weren't even the second best team in the league, people were like, "Did they make a mistake to try so hard?" Did they blow it even trying to win the President's Trophy? And then I remember last year when the Lightning didn't... I don't think they did win the President's Trophy last year. And people were like, ah, sagely, they saved a little in the tank and just threw a few games along the way because they knew that would motivate them more. It's uh, it's it's silly, especially from a league that that's where you're making most of your money. It's from the regular season. You're going to have a hard time selling those 82 tickets the more you emphasize how little they mean. I would imagine. I'll say I'll say as much too. When it comes to conferences, I think the reason why hockey is like that is because if you look, if you look at football, you know the the AFC NFC used to be the AFL NFL. There was a little, a little bit of competition, you know, there was a little bit of pride in wanting to be that better, the better outfit. Same with the AL and the NL. Back in the day, they used to be two separate entities. Hockey never had that in in the NHL. East and West were never two separate entities, two separate um, companies. They were always one unified league. So I guess that whole thing of East versus West pride never really existed in the NHL, I guess. I think that, pardon me, it was actually closer with the divisions in the 80s and into the early 90s. Like, the Oilers still win mm. hang division titles uh, from their from That's their true. rafters. And I think there was also a little bit more different styles of kung fu between the divisions, like the... Um, was the the one that the Blackhawks were in was like the really Blackhawks and the Blues were in the super fighty division and the Smythe division had uh, the Oilers and the Flames they were kind of battling against each other for the right to represent the Smythe division and there was um, they a little more high scoring maybe and so yeah there was a different sort of different styles of hockey it wasn't quite like the 80s Olympics where you know foreign teams would be running totally different game plans but I, I, I think you're totally right though that I don't think there was ever as much of a source of pride in the Campbell or the Wales or the East or the West. That's interesting. Well, and we also talk about, if you think about the way the Stanley Cup is is talked about, you don't hear the World Series trophy being talked about as, like, the ultimate prize in baseball, or the Lombardi trophy is, like, the ultimate prize. But, like, the Stanley Cup is the ultimate prize, right? And there's there's always those commercials the NHL puts out during the playoffs where they've, like, that one from a few years ago where they just showed the guys, like, lifting the cup, which is a great commercial, and I loved every second of it, Uh, even the part... Oh, it's it's so good, and but there's a reason that it works, right? And there's there's a, a a culture thing about that trophy, that like it kind of feels like it's an every man's trophy sort of to win, and so like anything below that, isn't good enough. I think that's kind of part of where that comes from, and and it's not just like, it's not just from a team perspective, but I think the fans sort of believe that too. That like anything less than the Stanley Cup just isn't good enough, regardless of how good your team was all season long. Yeah, I mean we've heard like prominent NFL players like Ladanian Tomlinson flat out said like yeah Super Bowl would be cool but like I just like if I go to the Hall of Fame like that that that's good for me like I'm all set like 
I don't know. I, I just think it's it's different in in every league. Like I do agree with that. And yeah, I think the hype around the Stanley Cup definitely factors into it, where it's almost made. Like nothing else matters except for the Stanley Cup. Which, I mean, yeah, I think championships trump everything else. But at the end of the day, like you win a, a quote unquote pennant, like that's pretty impressive, and that's something that should be celebrated. Maybe one day hockey will come around to that, but... I still it. like the Stanley Cup being the most important thing because I, I basically oh, yeah. agree with everything that you guys just said, and that's part of what makes the Cup super cool. But 100%. it just starts to feel a little bit silly when you can play... You know, you get 16 wins, and that means more than the 82 games that came before it and what you're technically actually getting paid your salary for. So that's why part of my solution is also to shorten the regular season. Like, if it matters less, just let it matter less and make it shorter. I loved our shorter season this year. 60-ish games is the perfect number of regular season games. Let's just do that from now on. Yeah, well, I mean... I mean, that would make sense, but we know that's never going to happen. I, I don't mind the full 82. I mean, I also am a sicko and will watch all 82, but um, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, like, I also think it's important for the league to have all your star players go to every city. Like, I, I think that matters, right? Like, Toronto going to Phoenix is a big damn deal when you have Austin Matthews going down there. And I do think, you know, normally it wouldn't matter, but you send Edmonton to places like, you know, Tampa Bay, Florida, Nashville, places that, you know, don't get to see a Connor McDavid very often. Like, I don't know. I think it's important for the league to be able to go into those buildings. And if they ever want to go catch, I mean, then look, nobody's catching the NFL, but if you ever want to catch the NBA or the MLB, like, I think you've got to have that marketability you've got to have your stars in every city you've got to have that you know ability for the national tv deal to uh, showcase those stars and i just don't think the 56 game like the 56 game season was what it was this year but i don't know if it would work on a full-time basis that's why i picked 62 home and home with every game no more divisions but just one league boom i've heard uh thrown out that maybe 72 you can play an extra home and home with the teams in your division to make a little bit of local robberies i'll take that compromise 72 games let's go boom yeah I don't hate that no division thing. I think the divisions have become overrated anyways. Like, at the very least, please go back to one versus eight, two, seven, and so on. Like, I don't love this no, format. No, well, you don't know. You don't have to go back to that. But what you, you have to do one of two things. You either go back to the one versus eight, or you have a true divisional playoff. So you have four teams from each division making the playoffs, and they play it like 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 happened this year, and they play out, and then your division champion plays another division champion. Like that's because the way they have it now with like the top. Was it the top three teams and the yeah. next best two? So it could be five from one division. Like it's dumb. It's so it's stupid. a half-ass version. So if you're gonna have yeah, if you're gonna have divisions, you either have divisional playoffs or you just have yeah seeds one th- like one through eight in your conference, boom done, and then and just make it go that way. Or if you did uh, this other idea where you have like a sixty-four game or sixty-two game season or whatever, you just do one through sixteen and you just seed it that way. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be chaos. And- I'd love that actually. You know, throw the schedule. You know, they would never, they would never do it again. But I would love it. What they just do did in the mid nineties? Have every team play at least one game in a neutral site in a, in a market that, that has no team. What would be the nineties? Like, if you want to test a new market out, I would love to see Edmonton playing Calgary in like in Milwaukee to test and see if the market could sustain an NHL franchise, which it, which it did for a couple of years. They wouldn't do it now, but I mean, if you want to test a new market, that to me is a way of trying it at least. Go back to mutual side games to see the, the league can work in these kind of markets again, too. I like it. I, I've never thought of that before, but I like it. Not just for testing markets, just for like, hey, Milwaukee, do you like hockey? Well, maybe you do like hockey. Like, I mean, the reason why the NFL is the biggest league in North America is because tons of fans 
cheer for non-local teams. And the NHL, quite yeah. famously, is at the bottom end of that. People often, in many markets, only care about their local team. So that might be an interesting way to uh, to grow the game that isn't stupid and doesn't annoy me, as most efforts to grow the yeah. game do. And the NFL, every so often, they have a game in Mexico City or a game in London, and they've had every so often games in Canada, so... Great idea. So, okay. Um, I'm just looking at one of the other things I wrote down. Do we agree that Vasilevsky should deserve the the consmite? Yes. You couldn't go wrong. He had I, a historic season, so or a playoff. So did Kucherov. Either one were great. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Either 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 one of those two guys, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, one of those two guys, you deserved it. You couldn't go wrong either way. I agree with him with that. Um, okay, how do we feel about Kucherov's post-game press conference? I would like to talk about it only because it's made people on the internet very <laughs> upset. I think it was great. I, I honestly, like, the thing that bothers me about people complaining about it, and it'll speak to the question of, like, classy versus not classy, which we can get into in a second. The thing that I know, like, is annoying people about it is that it just feels so, like, it felt a little, almost a little bit smug with some of the stuff that he was saying. But one of the things that annoys me that people are annoyed by it is like we always want players especially hockey players to like show some personality and like show something of themselves other than their like one word answers to whatever and so he does and then gets crucified for it because it, he didn't do it in the right way and like it's just that hockey code thing that really is wearing very thin with me lately. well I, I wonder if he would have gotten away with it had he also given the press conference in French maybe it would have appeased <laughs> a, a few more people but um <laughs> I loved that press conference because, first off, you're right, 110%. All we hear is people complain that, you know, hockey players aren't, you know, charismatic. They don't show personality. And then Kucherov goes out and does it. And, yeah, he was a little on the um, the Bud Light side. And, you know, he, I, I can see why Habs fans aren't thrilled with it. But at the end of the day, like, he showed personality. He gave honest answers. That is what people have complained about for years, and they finally get it, and, oh, it doesn't follow the code, and how classless to, to yell at a fan base in Montreal. That's a fan base that called 911 over a hit. Like, I, I, I'm not <laughs> I, – I, I, like, yeah, it's it's funny, and sure, I'm sure Canadians fans are upset about it, and I get that. Like, I, I probably wouldn't have loved that in the moment either if I was a Habs fan, but at the end of the day, like, it, it's a harmless comment. It's completely harmless. When Tampa comes to Montreal next year, boo his ass. That'll be a lot of fun. Like, you, you, it doesn't have to be personal the way that people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe I will never root for the Lightning again. How dare Nikita? Like, no, the guy's having fun. He just won the Stanley Cup. He's showing emotion and personality, which is what everybody has complained about. I mean, you even had Ken Campbell on Kucherov's side. People, it's not that deep. It's not. The guy was having fun after winning the Stanley Cup. I have no problem with what he said. I loved it. And if it means that there's going to be a hostile environment from the fans next time he's in Montreal, that's even better because it's something to look forward to. And that's what this game is missing. Like, I, I yeah, I would have been excited if I was a Habs fan after game, game four. They also flipped 15 cars. Like, yeah, you're going <laughs> to get a little bit of it. Like, come on. Like, if any other fan base, I think it would have been fine. But, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Toronto, my bad. But, and honestly, Edmonton, my bad, too. Because they would have had a meltdown also. Um, but, like, it's not that deep, guys. It's like, it was fun. Yeah. No, I, I agree entirely. You want guys to have personalities. 
there you go. We gave us one part of the best con, probably one of the best press conferences you're gonna see this season. He goes out with a bang like that, calls out the halves like that is gonna be fun. Like, I, I want Kucherov go in there, be the wrestling heel next year, play it up, talk smack even more next season about the halves. Go in there, become a mega super duper villain. We love that. We we see it in sports like we see it in basketball, we see it in football, we see it in baseball. Kind of smack talk. But hockey can't partake. Hockey's gonna be oh, you know we don't want that. Don't, we want answers. But not that kind of answer. You know, put your head down and give us a cliche. No, you can't have it both ways, people. Have fun with it. All right. Okay. I'm glad that we've got this all lined up. Cause here we go. Everybody is wrong but me. Um, I'll kind of I'll offer a little bit of an olive branch first place to say I've got no problem with liking the heel. Like I I love a good wrestling match too. It's some bad guys are fun. There's a big difference between hockey players that I hate and want out of the league and guys I enjoy disliking so I'm glad they're around. I'm glad Matt Kachuk's on the Flames. I love rooting against him and I think that Kucherov is more in this category so I'm not falling into that Keith Overman territory where I think this is a moral outrage and it must be expunged from our society but I will say, I'll say a couple things. First of all, Kucherov is a dick. Let's not pretend that he's not a dick. He is one of the dirtiest players in the NHL. He is injurious. He is a cheap shot artist. He is a real bastard. And you know how people are always saying, like, oh, if this guy had a Canadian name, he'd be more famous and more beloved. If this guy had a Canadian name, he'd be more hated. He is at least as much of a weasel as Corey Perry is. We should all hate Kucherov more. If he didn't have, like, if we weren't trying to be Canadian and be like, oh, we have to be nice and respect this guy from foreign lands and not let prejudice get in the way. No, he's a dick. He's just a dick. He's a very, very dirty, injurious player. Other than that, his comments, he didn't just trash talk Montreal. Ah, uh, what's his name in uh, Vegas won that uh, Vesna? That was the number one bullshit. And who's his face over in Winnipeg? He won it too. That was terrible. Like, he's acting like he's never heard of these two all-stars, who both, at least one of them, by the way, did have a better regular season than Vasilevsky. And uh, the other one was mighty close. So I get that you're trying to talk up your teammates. but And I'm just going to comment on the concept of classiness in general. I like classiness. Jean Beliveau is one of my favorite players. I think it's really cool when people who are like rich, famous, and powerful are like, yes, and I'm going to treat everyone with uh, respect and dignity. That's a nice thing that makes the world a better place. We shouldn't mock people for asking for more of it. So yeah, maybe Kucherov is fun, and that's fine. If you want to heal, that's cool. But let's not pretend that he's not being a dick. If anyone in any other circumstance treated you or someone that you care about like this, you'd be like, what's that dick's problem? You wouldn't be like, oh, finally, someone's showing some personality. I'm glad that he's showing some personality around the office place. You like the way that the boss just splashed co coffee on Susan's blouse because she uh, looked at him funny? <laughs> way to show some personality, boss. No, he's just hes just being a dick, which is fine if that's entertaining. But let's not, like, lionize it as, oh, he's got the courage to stand up for his dickish convictions. No, he's, he's, he's a dick. That, that's all. I, I don't... I don't have a like. I'm kind of with you on the flurry thing. Like, I didn't love that. Um, I thought he could have approached that better. But like, the the comment, uh, like him laughing with like, oh, Joe Smith is like, all right, Joe, I let's go. I get a kick out of that too. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, now my whole thing is, I really hope that Nikita Kucherov shows up into Montreal next year, like Brian Cox walking into Buffalo in 1993. Um, <laughs> and if you haven't seen that, Google that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that that would be hilarious and amazing, but. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's just. I agree. I, it's fun. I like. I have got no argument with that. I want to know how he felt this morning. Hungover. I, I'm I guessing. Highly doubt 
that if he was sober, that would have been what he would have said. I'm really curious what his reaction was this morning when he woke up somewhere in Tampa Bay. Can't, I, I just want to throw out one more thing. Uh, Avery made a great point when he said you can't have it both ways. And no, we can't. So if we're going to cheer players for like, oh, he's showing personality, maybe in a slightly not uh, you know socially acceptable or politically correct way, but we just like players showing personality, don't come crying to me when Max Domi or Seth Jones starts trumpeting Trump, starts talking about how much they like right-wing politics. That's players showing personality. So if we can't have it both ways now, we can't have it both ways then either. That's I just assume 90% of the league's on that train anyways. I assume that they're, they're pretty <laughs> conservative. I don't know if they're all... They, they also tend to be pretty socially, at least in some ways, like more social liberal, but then none of them want to pay taxes. So there's some... Same. They're at least conservative-ish for the most part. The Niedemeyers, I'm told Kale McCarr, is, uh, they're, they're the exceptions. That's why I like the Niedemeyers. And Kale McCarr is the second most valuable player in the NHL. But anyways... Rant concluded. So, okay, I, I, I enjoyed your rant very much um, because I think you're right on most of the things that you said. I got lost a little bit in the middle, so I'm not sure <laughs> I might have got lost sure a little bit in the middle remember myself. It all. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do think you but bring I, up a good point. Like, Kucherov is sneaky kind of a dirty player. Like, yeah, he you're right really is, about. yes. Yeah. <laughs> he really is. And, and this is the thing. And I, I think that, like, so veiled in all of the, the criticisms of the stuff that he was saying was that that insinuation that he is kind of a dirty player, right? And that's one of the reasons why. So, like, I mean, it, like, Steven Stamkos, this is the difference, though. Steven Stamkos would never have been that guy. Like, he would never have... Co- there was a picture of him for, that was taken at, like, 5 o'clock this morning, uh, still with the cup, uh, and then he hadn't gone to bed or whatever, and that's maybe the most personality that we'll see out of him ever, because that's just what it is. Um, but if it had been Stamkos... People would have been like concerned about his well-being had he like got up on that and for that press conference drunk and said all of those things, right? So like, if there's gonna be a heel, Kucherov is like your—he's really the only guy that, that's gonna do that, right? Like he because do, he doesn't have any reason not to at this point in time. Uh, maybe Pat Maroon, but Pat Maroon seems like more of just a good time guy. He doesn't, you know, he just wants to go and have fun. So like. The thing with with all of the stuff that I was seeing, people were sort of alluding to the fact that Kucherov is a dick, but they never really like got to that point. They just can't put, quite put their finger on why they didn't like it. And part of the reason is because it's not it's not somebody that you enjoy watching as the heel because you know when push comes to shove and he plays your team that he's probably going to injure somebody, and you know that's what's coming. And so it's hard to celebrate that like thing. But I do think the criticism of it is being like classless from a press conference kind of perspective is insane because if you this guy just won the second stanley cup in two years they're having a celebration he's called out for a dumb media availability like what's he gonna say anyway other than a bunch of cliches so he doesn't say a bunch of cliches and then people get mad that he doesn't say a bunch of cliches like that part of the discussion to me is really stupid yeah i don't think you're wrong yeah no i I, I don't really argue that part like even, I will say there are some people who show personality. Pat Maroon's maybe actually a really good example of, he shows a relatively, certainly for, by NHL standards, a lot of personality uh, without doing anything that make people, like, rise up in anger against him or go for the pitchforks. But um, this certainly is, like, you, you, you're not going to get the audience really out of their feet about anything unless there's a bad guy. You could have a personality-filled friendship fest, 
but it's not going to hit the heights that you will with a bad guy. So if you want a bad guy, and I get that some people don't, and to be honest, I'm fine with that too. I can just watch hockey. But if you want a bad guy, this is probably perfectly it. He didn't make any, like, actually horribly inhumane statements. He just uh, mocked an opposing fan base and uh, pretended that two opposing guys were forgettable no-names, and uh, even though they're both all-stars. And that's kind of funny. That's fine with me. It's just um, I will continue to not cheer for him, that's all. <laughs> are we on your uh, just I don't want it to get skipped um, we touched on it briefly but is on your list your agenda are we going to talk about the lightning's cap issues we should talk about the lightning's cap issues because uh, Greg Mashinsky wrote a really good article actually about that and why uh, every fan in the NHL should hope that their team does what the lightning did yeah uh, and figure out a way to figure out a way to you know, capitalize on the loophole that everybody knows exists. Um, yeah, 100%. let's talk about it. Well, maybe we won't argue about it. Maybe that's why we haven't talked about it. But yeah, everything the Lightning <laughs> did was good. It made the quality of the hockey higher, which is good. Um, it maintained parity because they still had to be able to win in the regular season. It maintained cost certainty. It achieved all the goals of the salary cap. It was not cheating. It was explicitly within the rules. So anyone call it cheating doesn't needs to buy themselves a dictionary or you know just spring for a website. That's free. And, um, yeah, that was great. Good for the Lightning. Don't close the loophole. This is not a problem. I laugh at, like, the whole, oh, well, they could just have Kucherov pop up in game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, that's cheating. Could you, um, and I think we've talked about this before, could you imagine, like, okay, the Oilers finished second in their division. Now do that again without Leon Dreisaitl. Like, could you imagine how that would go? Like, Tampa's good enough to finish where they finished without Kucherov. Like, I don't have a problem with it. You have Toronto trading for Riley Nash at the deadline to get more LTIR space. Like, if we're going to be mad at Tampa, like, then go yell at the fact that last night I realized Marion Gabrick's actually on the team. Like, <laughs> like this isn't anything new. Like, they smartly exploited something. Like, teams have been using – like, David Clarkson, I think, was active until, like, a year ago. Like, Marion Hosa is still technically not retired. Like, I think he's on the Coyotes' payroll. Like – this stuff happens. It, it just is what it is. Like, it, it's a loophole. The Lightning exploited it, and they found a way to keep a core group together that was by far the best in the NHL. Like, I would hope that the Oilers should be smart enough to do that. Like, if Oscar Clefbaum needs to take the full season and then be ready for Game 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, hop on LTIR. We'll see you Game 1. Like, I would hope Ken Holland would be smart enough to do that. Like, I have no problem with what the Lightning did. I wish more teams were smart enough to exploit it and i think fan bases are upset because they know their management team's not good enough to figure it out no i'd agree with well, that it's not even that they can't figure it out they saw it happen and they just won't do it like offer sheets true yeah well i mean like you alex said at the very beginning part of this is based upon having a team good enough to not need uh, an mvp caliber player for the regular season and that's almost impossible to do so even if you want to emulate the lightning you're going to have to do it in a different way than they did it. It's just the idea of getting creative towards the cap. That's a great idea. and But you can't just say, well, I think we'll just sit our best player and then still make the playoffs and then put him back in. Like like Alex said, most teams, that's a pipe dream, even if they were to try it. But something that I think the Lightning don't get enough, I don't know if I'd say credit, but part of the scheme, part of what they allowed them to get where they are, is they dramatically overpaid for guys who were either getting a ton of money retained or who were on, already on value contracts. Like, they realistically, they gave a first for Barkley Goudreau. That's an overpayment. 
I can't remember what exactly they gave for uh, Coleman, but I think it was a first and a third just because he was on such a good contract. But that's an overpayment for that talented player. They gave a first for Mark Savard. I think actually they gave a first, a second, and a fourth. There's a first, a third, and a fourth. In any case, they dramatically overpaid for him too because they got a bunch of uh, money retained. And that's part of what allowed them to stack their roster and why their roster looks like it's so, in some cases, over the cap because they have guys uh, getting money retained. But they spent a ton of draft capital to get where they are. So anyone who wants to emulate this is welcome to and should, but um, it's not as easy as they make it look. Avery, we cut you off. What were you going to say? I'm sorry, Avery. I was going to... No, no worries. I'm just gonna say that you know, we, you know, just seeing on social media all last night, people were screaming about the whole "oh, cheating, cheating, cheating." The league should punish the, the, the Lightning. If it was cheating, then the league would have done something about it. The league knows it was no rules broken. But the fact that people think that just being smart as a franchise is cheating shows that you really don't know how this how this really works. Because people say, you know, Kucherov, oh, he wasn't actually injured. Yes, he was. If he if he wasn't hurt, then he wouldn't be on LTIR. Guys, guys are on LTIR when they're actually injured and actually cannot play. People think it's it's a giant conspiracy theory when it really is not in any sense at all. So I saw a suggestion on Twitter, and I don't remember who it was from, and I I was like, hmm, I should address this at some point in time. That said that in order that what the the NHL should do, they should keep the loophole as it is because it is a loophole. Actually, it's not a loophole because they know it's there and they're not doing anything about it. Um, but it should be that anyone who's on LTIR for the season either is ineligible then to play in the playoffs, even if they're if they're healed, or they have to have played at least one regular season game. And I was like, because then that all of a sudden, sure, you can do a whole bunch of stuff with that, but that forces you to be incredibly creative with how you manage the cap. Or maybe what they need to do. I understand that there's a salary, and I understand why there's a salary cap, but maybe it's time that the NHL moved to like a luxury tax model instead, um, rather than the hard cap like they have. Because I mean, then you if if there's a luxury tax model and everyone understands that if you overpay, you have to pay a whole bunch of money. Well, then you just pay a whole bunch of money back into the revenue share, and that sort of gets rid of the issue of you know eighteen million dollars over the cap, right? Like. Because if it's within the rules, I don't think it matters. But I thought it was an interesting idea anyway that, like, if you have your guys on LTIR, sure, they're there. But either they're injured or they're not. And this is what – I think this is what bothers people is that Kucherov was hurt until the end of the season and then all of a sudden he wasn't hurt anymore. And I think that's what pisses people off. I don't even think it's the cheating part of things. It's that, like, conveniently all of a sudden he was healthy enough to play in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean – Definitely that time, I think there was some minor shenanigans. I'm going to go as far as to call it cheating, but he probably could have played at some point in those last two weeks uh, leading into the season. But uh, I, I'm going to stand by, um, I think, the point that both uh, Avery and Alex have made at some point, which was that if your team is good enough not to need your MVP back ASAP, there's benefits to that. So, yeah, by all means, other teams, go ahead and try to get a team so good that you don't need the MVP caliber guy to play and you can still coast into the playoffs if you do that there's a mini prize for you i've been laughing at that boston sports radio this week on the um complete armageddon that is either rooting for montreal or rooting for tampa bay and i have just laughed <laughs> all week long at the amount of people up in arms about the tampa bay lightning being 18 million dollars over the cap and going to the line but not quite going over the line 
And I just laugh at that because, remember, all these people are also fans of the New England Patriots who have made a living off of going to the line, and in some cases going over the line. And I just think a lot of these fan bases that have a problem with Tampa Bay are either just sour or hypocritical. I'm sorry, did you just try to 